You are listening to Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria, founder of Global Gospel Worship Radio. Marina interviews local pastors and global leaders to share their testimonies and their ministries. Our goal is to help you follow what Jesus taught in Matthew 6:33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, here's our host, Marina Maria. Welcome to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, Catherine Schwer from Glendale, Arizona. Catherine attends Venture Church in Glendale, Arizona. This is where we met. She is a barista, hairdresser, and an event musician and is part of the music ministry at Venture Church in Glendale, Arizona. Catherine will be sharing her testimony in this testimony series for women called Women Leaders Who Weep for Jesus, which is based on the scripture in Jeremiah 29, 13, which says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And also the second scripture is in Psalm 145, 18 through 20, which says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. Thank you, Catherine, for being on Faith City Outreach to share your testimony, which will encourage and give hope to other women that Jesus is our way maker, miracle worker, and light in the darkness. Thank you, Marina. Thank you for having me, and thank you for allowing me this time to share. I do thank the Lord that he has brought you to begin this series, and I know it is a very important series for him, And we just uh, pray that he be exalted because I know you have a very impactful salvation story, which you will share right now. And I just so curious to hear about it. Well, thank you. So I'm excited that we, I have this divine appointment. I believe God creates divine appointments with people that we maybe can't see at the time, but we definitely can see when we look back in history and Um, That's part of my testimony and my salvation story. So I'm going to start in a a place where I was uh, an active user. I was using methamphetamines. I was um, pretty, pretty deep in my habit and I worked in a salon and I was a commissioned stylist. So I had breaks in between appointments and uh, there was a window washer um, that would come and do our windows. And we were buddies, and he didn't talk about the Lord. He didn't talk about God. He just goofed around, and when I had free time, um, he would just talk to me, and I literally called him my window buddy. Um, Also, at that same time, in the suite next to the salon, there was a boutique owner, and she kept begging me to go to church. And I would say, oh, you know, okay, sure. But in my mind, I was actively using, and there's no... There's no way I would have stepped in church, but I I placated her and said, oh, yes, of course, and put her off many, many times. And then finally, one day, uh, she said, oh, look, there's my pastor now. And she waved at my window buddy. And it turned out that my window washing buddy was um, a pastor and him and his wife were doing the windows in my salon one time and they invited me to church and I still said yes I would go but wasn't quite ready but that was how I met where I ended up going to church. Uh, it, 
few, a little bit of time skips by and um, I figured out a way to get clean. That's a, another story. But I figured out a way to get clean and I had some time of sobriety and I said, you know what? I am gonna go to their church and just see. And I did go. I went with a friend and we're married today and I never looked back. Wow, how the Lord sent the window buddy who was a pastor, right? Yeah. To witness to you. A divine appointment orchestrated (laughs) with the boutique owner next door, orchestrated with, you know, the terrible things that were happening, you know, at the same time in my life not at work you know in my personal life and so when all of those things are orchestrated together it's like you're on the top of a hiking hill you can look back and see where the path varied and where it divvied and who you met along the way but when you're on it you can't see it so it's interesting to see how god was working and using everyone at the same time to to bring me to him so you did say you were in drugs right yes so how did you overcome that because i know it's not an overnight thing that you can just let go right no there's a three percent recovery rate for that particular drug i know there's a lot more severe drugs since i've been using that i'm not familiar with but as far as that goes Um, I was a terrible drug user. My drug dealer told me I used too much, if that tells you anything. Um, I intermittently used from 1989, 1990, all the way to 2002. There were some times in there, you know, where I had a baby or I got clean for a while and, but intermittently, but the, the whole span of that time I used intermittently. So did you have to go to a rehab center? I did not. So um, I can share, so um, right before, while I was working at that salon and right before my window buddy, (laughs) Pastor Claudio um, and Don Claudio, his wife at Oasis Community Church, um, right before them, I, my drug dealer had come over with a kid that only smoked pot and most pot use, pot heads you know don't think much of hard drugs they are very anti-hard drugs why this kid I call him a kid he was like 22 why he was with my drug dealer that night I don't know but they came over my baby was like six months old they came over to bring me my drugs because I never left with my daughter they always came to me and he said we had a conversation and he was just like well this doesn't seem like you I doesn't seem like the type of person you are and we had talked about what would what it would require for me to quit using. You know, somebody would have to watch my kids. I didn't want to lose my job. I had just gotten a job. I had just gotten out of jail. I didn't want my family to know. I didn't, I would have to sleep it off. I would need help and I couldn't ask the people that were my friends because they all used. So I was explaining how complicated it would be. Um, So he said his mom used meth when he was growing up. We just had this conversation And about three months later, he showed up at my door and he said, I'm here to help you quit like you said you wanted to. And he did. He moved into my apartment. Why I let, because I I remembered a story about, I remembered a story that I heard in church when I was little about how God kept sending a boat to this flooded area to save these people. And these people kept saying, God's going to save me. God's going to save me. God's going to save me. And when the person died from the flood. God said, I did try to save you. I sent three boats. And so when he knocked on the door, I was like, this is, he's coming here. He's coming to help me quit. I don't have to tell my family. I don't have to lose my job. He's doing exactly what I said I was going to need. 
if God's sending me a boat, I don't want to turn the last boat away. And so I said, okay. And he did. He drove me to work. He picked me up from work. Uh, he threw out my drugs. He found drugs that I had hidden, left notes there saying, ha ha, nice try. He watched my kids. He cooked for me. I mean, he did get to use my car while he was there. Maybe that was his angle. I don't know. But whatever the case may be, he stuck around for like three months until I was out of it. And then he just disappeared one day. And you never saw him again? No. And it broke my heart because I was getting pretty attached to him like he was my knight in shining armor. You know, <laughs> you could see how easily that would happen. And my daughter was like really attached to him. And I'm sure that was also a motivator for him to move on. And so... You mentioned that you also had friends that were users. How did you get past that? How did you overcome that, like find new friends? Because that is so hard for users to find new friends. Um, well, the, I, my closest friend remained. She didn't really understand what I was doing and I don't really actually think she was fully believed that I was actually doing it. Um, but I did have to distance myself from her because I was spending, you know, every day with her while we were hooking up and using. And so that was the hardest part was the social aspect of it. But once I got invited to church and I started attending church, um, they were very actively replacing my life with good things by keeping me busy. They were very sneaky about how they were filling my house with good um, knowing that there was that vacancy. And I always think of that parable where the demons uh, leave the house and the guy cleans his house up, but then the demons come back with way more. Uh, that's what I use in my story a lot because uh, I had cleaned my house. I had managed to get myself off of the drugs and I just needed to fill my life with the things that were good. And so then they said, oh, we need a musician. We need somebody to do this come here, can you meet me here, I need you to help me this. I They probably didn't need me at all. <laughs> Sneaky, they probably just let me feel like they needed me to do this and that, and they just kept me busy with things for Christ, and it gradually just started becoming part of my fabric. I had to listen to worship music to learn it, to play it, mm -hmm. and then just, and so on and so forth. They just got me involved, and didn't. I didn't have the need to be. But the social part is hard, because you do miss... I mean, you're friends with people, whether they're trashy people, good, you know, addicts, whatever. You're, you have relationships with them, and then you have to kind of just block them out. And so they gradually faded away. Some of them I tried to maintain, and then something bad would happen as a result, and it was easy to, you know, cut that tie off. What advice would you give other listeners who have the same testimony or similar testimony as yours who are an addict they just can't pull away from their friends so for me I would say my I mean my kids were a huge motivation um I guess obviously that there's hope that it might seem really really hard initially but everything God asks us to do is usually if there's victory on the other side there's usually a very very scary step that you have to take on your own to make it across that chasm so um, there's hope and it's it gets so simple. It simplifies your life so very much. It was shocking how simple my life became. Um, the chaos and all the just, I always felt like I was treading water and exhausted and drowning. 
when I was using because you're just trying to keep up with the lifestyle and keep up with the lies and keep up with it's just exhausting and so I would say that God hears you he's always with you no matter what you're doing he always loves you he was with me the whole time and I was I didn't have to be on my knees you know praying like I I remember I would just simply look up at the sky when I'd be actively using and I'd say I know I know this isn't what you want for me I mean that that would be my prayer Mm -hmm. I know I know I'm going to stop as soon as this happens as soon as x happens and so my prayers were not long and lengthy they weren't on my knees they weren't in a church they were sometimes while I was in the bathroom shooting up and I'd be like I know God I know this looks bad but so and he heard me and he sent the boat (laughs) and when you were when he sent the boat at what point did you say I surrender my life to you like just like a one like a one moment yes I can't I can't define like a was it just a gradual moment yeah and maybe were they gradual moments maybe there was an actual moment? moment where you know they prayed with me and I accepted but to me it was like every like it was like the whole thing that was happening all around me at the same time like there were so many things um happening to me and so many people involved that um i don't know it didn't seem like a one pinpoint moment i'm sure it was but did you cry um i cried i cried often during that process of like when i started going to church because things were so awesome and i was like oh finally and I do remember when I was getting involved with Oasis Community Church, I do remember from Pastor Billy and Dawn I, that I felt delivered. Like every time I had quit in the past, I felt like, oh, I'm going to, I could feel like it was still hanging over my head that, well, hopefully I won't run into somebody uh, that I know because I could end up using again. Or hopefully this circumstance doesn't happen because I could end up using again. Or I have to have an action plan in case I run into somebody I know. That was not... I remember being freed from that. I remember feeling completely like, oh, it's... I'm not worried about it. It's not a concern. Tell me about your relationship with the Lord now. I mean, it's awesome. He's my friend and he's always there and I know it. And it's... And he's much bigger than I ever knew. And it's real easy for me to, I'm really good at mapping it. Like, wow, you did this, you did this, you did this. So when I'm having a struggle currently, it's easy for me to look and say, okay, you did this, so I know you can do something. And I know you're, you are doing something. I don't know what it is, because you know how he works. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what you're doing, but I know you're doing something awesome. And I know you're doing something awesome because I can see all the things you've done for me before. And how you did them. And it was not how I thought. So right now, that's where I'm at. Like, it's kind of like I'm curious. Like, like I'm watching him, like, okay, this ought to be good. <laughs> kind of like this uh, radio interview, right? Yeah. Where you told me before this interview that you were praying about your testimony, about sharing it, right? Or about being able to help people. Or being able to help. And I don't feel like I have the opportunities because just general life bogs me down where I'm, I'm not in places that I would be more likely to encounter people that like who I used to be that I could help. So, yeah, it bothers me that I'm not out there reaching out and coming alongside people that are struggling like I was. 
Well, do you realize that this radio interview is going to go globally and it's going to reach over 150 nations? So your testimony is going to go out into the airwaves and there's going to be many listeners listening to this. And well, God has answered this prayer. I hope I say prayer. the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> and you are definitely, with your testimony, going to be, or you are giving encouragement and hope to women who are listening right now. And for those women who are listening right now and who are in a moment of confusion and frustration and who are users and who at one point you just you mentioned that even you were talking to God when you were using a drug. And so what would you say to those listeners right now? who may be experiencing that? Well, the first and the most important thing to know, and this is something that I will give my mom credit for, I I don't, I didn't grow up building a relationship with Jesus. I, I did know of church and I knew of God, but my mom always told me I was precious and she always told me I was valuable and that I was so precious to God and I mustn't ever let anything happen to me. And she said that to me all growing up. And so the very first thing people need to know and realize, and really just, even if it's hard to hear and you don't believe it, maybe just say it to yourself whether you believe it or not, is that I'm valuable and I'm precious in God's eyes. Um, he's I'm precious to him. And so when you get that, then the next step would be like, so, you know, I'm using, I used a large amount of, drugs just to be able to go to sleep and be able to wake up. Um, so knowing where is that going to go? Where am I in five years from now? That's not going to get better unless I do something different. Uh, my daughter's life is not going to improve. I'm not going to have more money if this continues. I'm going to have way less <laughs> or be dead. Like, there comes a time when you have to do a practical assessment, not necessarily spiritual. I mean, just like a, a legit, you know, where is this going to take me? What will that do to my children? What do I do? Okay, and then how do I do it? Once once you can grasp the, okay, something's got to be done. Okay, well, what kind of things would have to line up in my life for that to work? Are there people I could call on to help me? If not... Where could I find somebody that would want to help me? And there's agencies and places, and a lot of times I got my help by calling community referral. So, um, you know, you have to ask yourself, and sometimes those would fail, but then I would just, you have to go back to the beginning. I'm valuable to God. I'm not gonna be anything, any good to my children if I'm not here. So what are some active steps I can take and then execute them. And maybe that plan doesn't work, but you still are left with the same conclusion. I have to make a change, I have to do something. Mm -hmm. So what am I gonna do? And even if they're small things, you can do them. Amen, and that goes back to the scripture, Psalm 145, 18 through 20. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry. He's going to hear their cry and he will save them. Yeah. So we could just call on him, right? And he will hear our cry. And he heard me and it wasn't a fancy cry. It wasn't. And it was also the desire of my heart to be clean, to mm -hmm. 
be better for my children and to get out of where I was at. So he knew the desires of my heart Mm -hmm. and he heard me praying to him, but it, it wasn't a big fancy prayer. And he was, he was placing people in my life all the way along many different people. And just like that scripture, he saves them. He saved you, Catherine. He did. Yeah. He sent all the people that would go to you to support your walk with him and your relationship. And it was important to hear the people and to pay attention. Yes. And what have you been learning lately from the word? I know we we see each other every Wednesday at Venture Church at the Women's Bible Study. But for you in particular, what has the Lord been touching your heart about? Me specifically right now is that he's sovereign and that he's in control. Uh, I think mostly because of the environment right now and the, the climate of our politics and what's happening in the world and what what I see happening with young people and them straying from God's um, initial design. It's real easy to get sucked in with fear, um, mm-hmm. but through my reading and what he's saying to me is that I'm sovereign and I'm this, this isn't gonna, I've got this. That's what I'm hearing from him. Through all the stories, there's, you can just see it. And he's, he's in charge. He's in charge, and I, I don't doubt that. And everything I read, I'm seeing it with those eyes like he's in charge. Trust him. To trust him, yeah. He's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. He's got this because he had it. So. And you can always look back, and even myself, that we can both look back on everything he's taking us from, mm-hmm. right? We he he has the long. We have a long history with all the promises that he has kept in our lives. Yeah. And if he's done that, he keeps our promises, and he will continue to keep them forward yeah. on. And some of my biggest breakthroughs were when I uh, I was doing Believing God by Beth Moore, a Bible study at church, mm-hmm. and she, in her workbook she had. I mean, there's all this talk about the Israelites wandering around in the desert 40 years, and I was like, oh my gosh, how could they do that 40 years, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. But then she, she had you map out in this workbook, like, what went wrong, your circumstances, how you got out of it, and she had the she had you do this for your life on a timeline, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm an Israelite. <laughs> I was wandering around and around in circles. I'm making the same mistakes, same patterns, same mm. things. And I really had huge breakthroughs noticing that. Wow. Look, this is, it's a pattern with me, whether you want to call that self-sabotage or, Mm -hmm. but God got me through. This is how he got me through and he's going to do it again. And so now it's like, take your thoughts captive. We'll take your circumstances captive. What am I going through right now? Obviously, he's going to bring me through. He's got this. Look at this story, this story. That's amazing. And what does your family think about? you right now how you've changed so much like your mother your father and your brothers and sisters I am from a family of six I was raised Catholic um I don't know how my siblings think of me they're kind of like too polite for us to ever go there we they don't ever want to talk about who I was uh I have one brother that had an 800 number that he had me use to call him from anywhere anytime that was a huge blessing. He was my brother that was a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't try to get me to say the salvation prayer, but I can say he is the biggest example of love that there mm-hmm. is. Um, he would come to visit and just 
love on my son, take him for the day. I'm sure there were plenty of things that in his mind he was judging me about or criticizing me about or had speculation about, but he never brought it up. He didn't call me out. He just loved me where I was at. Um, I got pregnant out of wedlock with my daughter and um, I was homeless and I didn't get a lecture. I got a Bible and a quilt that the women at his church made. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, he was awesome. And so he's still awesome and he loves me and he loves that we can share church links and we can, we're great friends now and that's awesome. My other family, (laughs) I don't know, they're just too polite to even talk about it. And of course my mom's glad that I'm not in trouble anymore. Obviously they can see that there's good fruit. So, you know, she's happy things are going well and I'm not in a ditch or dead or, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like she's happy, but... The Lord has changed you. Yeah. What role does prayer have in your life? Gosh, I I would like to say it's almost like putting on an article of clothing. It's something you have to do. Um, I will admit, as many will, that it's sometimes my life will get carried away and I don't have a designated time where I'm sitting in a prayer closet. But definitely every day before work, I'm in my car. I get there very early. I'm yell praying, I'm worshiping on the way, um, I'm listening to worship music, and basically throughout my day, my life is a prayer. So I'll be doing dishes at work and I'll, you know, somebody's irritating me at work and I'll be praying for them while I'm scrubbing and I just intermittently am talking to the Lord throughout the day. And I would say that's my prayer life, is a daily ongoing conversation. That's beautiful. You are praying without ceasing. Yeah. I need to work on having a better, I think everybody wants to have a more disciplined time that's, you know, more ritualistic. Um, That's a personal growth area for me that I need to work on. But I definitely am in prayer throughout the day, all day long. And when people say, oh, I'll pray for you, I do it right then and there. I don't wait. Um, There's no reason to wait. And I don't want to dare have that opportunity and then forget about them later. If God wants me to pray for somebody, I'm going to do it on the spot. I like how you said that you even pray at work while you're scrubbing and like prayer is like an article of clothing that we put on. Yeah, it's a it's an ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. Like with Alexa. <laughs> exactly. With I mean, everything. I'm just saying it out loud. I'm saying, God, you know, I'm just blurting it out. I probably look crazy sometimes, but Hey, it's it's not about looking crazy and you know that this is your relationship with the Lord. He hears you. Yeah. He hears us. It's, I just really like how you're you're using that in your everyday life in every moment you have, it sounds like. And maybe it's a witness to some people that I do have relationships with at work. Maybe they see that. I don't you never know who you're influencing around you. That's true. How can a woman grow in her love for the Lord? Well, first of all, um, goes back to realizing that you were created and he loves you. And so if you can see him as a father that loves you, which is hard for a lot of... I didn't have that difficulty. I lost my dad when I was young. I had a good relationship with my dad, so I don't have a damaged relationship with a father figure. So I know that there are many women that have a really hard time with that, and I understand that. I mean, I can't understand it firsthand, but it makes sense. But he is a loving father, and he's not that father. He's Mm -hmm. the creator. And we see a lot of destruction around us, but that doesn't mean that that's his heart. His heart is for us to flourish um, and to just grow into what he has for us. 
And we can't do that if we let ourselves get bogged down by things that are not of him. So me shooting up was not getting me closer to God. It was not making me all I could be. And so I would say to know your value, know that God loves you, and um, you have to get rid of these. You just have to make up your mind to get rid of these things that are going to keep you from what he has for you. Because what he has for you is good. What he has for you is not a flat tire on the side of the road and another lost job. That's not what he wants for you. So, And I know that there are so many women, like you just mentioned, that never had a father figure in their home or in their life. Maybe he can be the, a real father and they can visualize themselves being in his lap. Yeah, because you want to be loved and accepted and he's there to do that. And his love is way 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 more than any human that disappoints Mm -hmm. you know everyone around us they're humans they're gonna disappoint us right you know if we submit to God and what he wants for us and we try with all of our hearts and we we aim to please him and we aim to be better and let the spirit work in us then I mean he loves us so much there's it's immeasurable immeasurable It's so true. The Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. Like you mentioned, people may disappoint us. They may reject us, abandon us, but the Lord will never do that. Yeah, and it pains him to see us um, settle for people doing that to us and for us doing that to ourselves. Um, It pains him. He, He wants to love us and he wants us to know how much we're loved so that we can love others. So where has the Lord, where is he taking you right now? I don't know somewhere and that's okay we you may be just like many women and I feel like I'm in a waiting place exactly I was just about to say that I I don't know I don't know I know he has more for me I know that I can do more for his kingdom so he's gonna do something I I don't know it's like I don't know what you're doing (laughs) but it's gonna be great so I'll just hang in there and just Take opportunities when they present themselves. Love people when I can. Um, I work with a lot of young. I work with a lot of young kids, and I have my daughter is in her twenties. And um, right now, my heart is burning for these. First of all, young girls that aren't don't know that they're loved, mm-hmm. that don't know God, but even more so are um, really messed up over just pharmaceuticals that their doctors are giving them. And they're, they have hormonal problems and they're trying to, they want something, they want to reach out for something, they want help, they want something to be the answer, and they're looking everywhere but where the answer is in Jesus. And so I am really being stirred up about these girls that are being bogged down by all these, you know, anti-anxiety. I'm not saying that they don't have a place, but they're all, many of them are bogged down with these, you know, drugs they're drugs and they're keeping them from what God has for them because they're you that's their answer um they're seeking all these things that I think that probably they just could get from the Lord so that's my heart right now what encouragement would you give to them since that seems to be in your heart right now God's putting it in your heart what would you tell them I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, that, but kind of the same thing, that God loves you and Jesus can heal you. And you can find your purpose and you can be healed from these hurts that humans have done to you. Jesus can heal you. 
he can reach in and take the hurt right out of you. And you might have to go through a process and you might have to feel some things, but God designed us to have feelings. And so I, I would want the girls to know that sometimes you have to work through feelings and sometimes things hurt, but Jesus is strong and he can hold you and he can heal you. You've been listening to Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria, founder of Global Gospel Worship Radio. Join us next time as Marina interviews local pastors and global leaders to share their testimonies and their ministries. All music is courtesy of zapsplat.com, and our thanks goes out to Four Winds Ministries in Arizona for partnering with Faith City Outreach. If you'd like to support this ministry, just go to fcoprogram.com and click the donate button. Thanks for listening. Have a blessed day.